You may have noticed that the fine folks at PJTour.com have transformed the player pages on the website. Pages are much cleaner to consume and offer a wide variety of content from statistics and also links to social media. You'll easily find key data about career performance of your players right at the top in a new graphic-oriented layout. Check it out at PGATour.com. Even though the Cirrus stand bag from Ogeo is only 3.2 pounds, I'm still a member of the Pushcart Mafia, and I am using it on a trolley over here in Scotland. Uh, it's loaded with pockets. It's got plenty of place to store all of your rain gear, which is a necessity on this trip. Find out more at Ogeo.com. Be the right club today. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, Sorry for the delay in this podcast, but. As promised, going to deliver the goods on planning a trip to Scotland. There's a lot of information within this podcast. We had to split it up into two parts. Uh, Tips and tricks for planning it, how to figure out some accommodation, uh, getting from location to location, getting your clubs around. And I want to give a shout out to our friends at Luggage Forward who actually helped me get my clubs across the pond to Scotland. Uh, You may not be that familiar with them, but they have been a leader in this industry since 2005. That's 12 years of experience making sure your clubs get to the location that you need them. They do all the work for you. They mail you the shipping tags. They come and pick it up at your doorstep. And my clubs were waiting for me there at Castle Stewart. Uh, they're going to be the most cost-effective method of getting your clubs if you're taking a trip to Scotland or Ireland or anything like that. Uh, they ship all kinds of stuff. If you're going on a ski trip, they can move your skis for you or any other kind of luggage. So it's not just limited to golf clubs. But uh, for a limited time, only our listeners, if you go to luggageforward.com slash up, you get a special 10% off uh, any shipment that you're using. So again, a reminder, go to luggageforward.com slash up and check out the awesome options they have for getting your clubs to and from the pot, uh, to, over, to and from wherever you're going on your next trip. So first up on this part two of the Scotland wrap-up is going to be Shane Bacon. We go about 45 minutes talking about uh, the leg of the trip that he that we were on together. And then the final uh, half of this episode is going to be the rest of my conversation with Rue McDonald from the Scottish Golf Podcast about some of the courses I played in the week after uh, our little run through the St. Andrews and Aberdeen area. Uh, those courses are going to include Royal Aberdeen, uh, Trump International, uh, talk a bit about Nairn and then Macrahanish and uh, just some more Scotland advice as well. So stick around for that. And thanks to both Rue and Shane for joining. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. The next guest is no stranger to the show. He is host of the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon podcast. Shane Bacon himself, uh, no longer just my internet friend. Uh, have you recovered from the jet lag? How are we doing? How was your Scotland debrief going? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of work following. So, um, I mean, you know, I literally landed in Boston the next day. We had meetings and then rolled into the senior. But uh, it was good. You know, I, I actually, as, as goofy as it is, my Scotland to uh, Boston travel situation was actually shorter than my Boston to Phoenix travel deal with a couple of delays. So, um, yeah, it's actually pretty easy if you're on the East Coast to get over there. 
Well, what is what about your Phoenix or Phoenix to Scotland travel issue? Was it because that was a little bit more than one day? Do you want to tell that story, or should I? Oh yeah, um, with so this yeah, so uh, so when you're uh, when you're booking travel, um, a key thing to do when you're doing it, and I learned this, is you want to arrive on the correct day, and if you arrive on the incorrect day, that can really throw a wrench in uh, somebody that's been playing in a golf trip for like eight months, like Ashley Mayo was doing. So. Um, yeah, I, I had it, uh, I had arrived a, a day late. And so, um, you know, they say you want to get to a party, you know, a little late, fashionably late. Um, so I was fashionably a day late and, uh, only got to miss maybe my favorite golf course in Scotland to play. So that was a fun start. You missed the greatest round of golf ever. Uh, it will never be replicated. Um, it may have been enhanced by the fact that you were not there. We're not, we're not just going to glance over this part of the story about, how you drove to the airport on the day you were thought you I, I were was, flying I out. Was dri- I was driving to the airport. Now, 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 let me tell you this. I could have boarded that flight. I just would have been in New York for an extra, for a full day and a half because my flight out was a full day later than I had originally planned. And to be fair, it was, it was about as bad a planning job as you could do. I mean, I literally... Landed at 11 p.m. in New York for a 7 p.m. flight that I thought was leaving that day. So I, I literally had it screwed up twice because I, I was thinking I was leaving on a 7 p.m. flight that day, which I would have got in four hours late. And really, it was it was a whole day later. So, yeah, it was um, it wasn't my best. It wasn't my best moment. But um, I did only miss one hole at Carnoustie's. So that was nice. Is this? I mean, I remember my first time traveling. I I probably made a very similar mistake. I don't remember <laughs> when that was, but uh, thank God you don't have to travel for a living or anything like I that. I know, I know. If I had to book this stuff all the time, you know, it really is. It like you said, it it is quite embarrassing to to show up to something like that and and with that big of a boneheaded move. But um, the good news was you guys did get to play uh, Cruden Bay, which I mean, Cruden Bay will will. Uh, will overshadow anyone coming on a trip. So I was not worried about that. And you guys had a good time. And then, like I said, I, I thought I was going to roll up to Carnoustie like 30 minutes before we teed off. But when we landed in Scotland at like 6 a.m., we sat on the tarmac for like an hour. And I was doing the whole like traveler stressed out thing where you're tapping your foot and nothing can really change. But, um, yeah, I only missed the first hole at Carnoustie, which is probably the least interesting hole on the property. And, uh, and after that, I was, I was ready to roll. We gave you a generous four on that opening hole. But the ironic part is I've been trying to get you to book flights for this trip forever because we were going to try to latch on some extra rounds of golf. So Ashley Mayo and Rue McDonald basically planned this entire trip and gave us seven rounds of golf over four days at some amazing courses in uh, around the St. Andrews area. Uh, but my whole thing was like, if I'm going to Scotland, I want to spend more than four days if I can. And yeah, you not only did you bail on me for not playing extra rounds of golf, I had to go do all that on my own. You didn't even show up for the first round. But well, to to say I bailed is 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 I would say it's incorrect. I I would have loved to stay in Scotland for weeks on end with you, but I, I have a job and I had to work the week before and the week after, and it squeezed in perfectly. But wow, it was a big rub it in that I don't it have was, a job. Also, you were it's on okay. fire. It, it was it was one of those things it, again. It was as I felt as stupid sitting on my couch looking at my computer as I've ever felt in my entire life. And then I'm just, you know, then you just try to figure out what to do. Do I fly to New York and just sleep there for the night and and do nothing? I mean, I I haven't been home at all. I mean, I'd literally been home for like a day and a half after, you know, basically eight days in Wisconsin. So I ended up sucking it up and paying a few extra miles to be able to stay home with the wife for, you know, another another 12 hours before I flew out. 
<laughs> but you showed up for so it's already raining at Carnoustie when you show up. You roll out of the cart in your full rain gear, like ready to roll. Didn't even need a, <laughs> off a red eye, like playing one of the hardest courses in the world. Um, so how, how did that how did that day go for you? Uh, it was okay. I, I had some. I had a rough go about it during kind of the middle of the round, but I will say I, I hit the best lag putt of my entire trip. I think on the very first hole, and after that, it was a little bit downhill. But we as a group played that final three hole stretch at Carnoustie incredibly well. I thought. I mean, you know, we we played sixteen, seventeen, eighteen pretty well, which is kind of when you want to peak. But yeah, I mean, it was rough. I was driving uh, to the course in that, in the, in the taxi, I was changing in the back of the back of the taxi. I felt bad for that guy. I'm like throwing sweatpants on and, and putting pants on and I'm looking outside and it's raining sideways. And by the time I got there, luckily it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was probably the worst weather day we had, I guess, besides, I mean, I mean, as long as you don't count wind, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was stressful. Like it was like 20 hours of stress straight. That's not good for anybody. No. Well, for those that listen to this podcast for a long time, you'll know that we've done podcasts together for about, I think, three years now. I think we're past the three-year mark, but had, for whatever reason, had never actually met in person ever, despite talking in some capacity basically every single day. And you just you just had to be dramatic about it, made your triumphant God, run. No, I, it's, that's right. That was, that was what it was about. I, it was, I was set to music, a, yeah. <laughs> play, roll, it, roll in one day late and on the second hole in a golf cart. One of the guys from Carnoustie drove me out on a buggy. I didn't even know they had golf carts there. I was surprised he, he, that too. He was, he was rolling over bumps. I had all my bags in the pro shop. I mean, it was... It was as much of a hurricane cluster as, as you could possibly have in the sense of introing to a Scotland golf trip. And, and I mean, you're literally, I mean, no sleep, you know, sleep a little bit on that flight, but not a ton. And you're rolling out at like a, like a 8 a.m. second hole start at Carnoustie. And I mean, you've got to all of a sudden just slow down. And that's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, we, uh, we, had, some, we, had, some, we had some rough holes, but I mean, all in all, I actually think we, we played Carnoustie half, not half bad. Yeah, and for I for his, the eight minutes, whatever, that I've been slagging you on this, it turns around because you rolled off that red eye and actually beat me despite me getting a full practice warm-up session in and you rolling off the plane and still managed to, to one-up me at Carnoustie, which was expected, but uh, that was not your first time playing Carnoustie. Um, but what is, what is your overall takeaway from Carnoustie? Is it one of your favorites in the area? I know a lot of people are really hard on it for being very tough, and it is tough, but to me it's – is one of the most fun courses you can play in that area. But what's your overall stance on Carnoustie? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, you show up to Carnoustie and um, it's a little bit, to me, Carnoustie and Royal Troon are in kind of the same capacity. I mean, if you're going to play True Links Golf, they're two of the best in my opinion. But, I mean, if you're going to see this, like, beautiful, majestic Links Golf Course, you know, outside of two or three holes on both those golf courses, that's not really it. And, I mean, I think that's where people get mixed up. You know, Old Course, Turnberry, Kings Barnes. I mean, you got a chance to go up and see Dornick and, and Brora and those types of places. I mean, they're beautiful. You know, those are beautiful golf courses. And I don't know if Carnoustie or, or Rural Troon are beautiful, but they're fun. And I mean, they're, they're, they're as Lynx golf as you're going to get, in my opinion. I mean, they're as, as tough and, and, you know, bunkery and, you know, different types of holes and tough finishes. I mean, that's what you kind of expect maybe when you think of Lynx golf. And I just think sometimes people, you know, they overlook it because they're comparing it to the wrong golf courses. I think if you compare it to the right ones, you know, you'll be, you'll be pretty satisfied. Yeah, we, we did. I mean, it was super windy that day and basically for the whole trip once you arrived. And it was, it was a challenge. It was way more challenging this time around than the first time I played it. And like that, you get to 
like stretches whole, six and seven. And six is a par five. Like I think it's called Hogan's Alley. Um, that plays dead into the wind with OB barely off the fairway to the to the left. I mean, I, I might as well have placed a ball out of bounds there. There was no chance I was not hitting one <laughs> so, up. Same. I mean, we all three. I think yeah. I think we played with with Ashley and, and Jeff, and so all, all us the three guys were playing. You know, a, a tee back Ashley, and I mean, I think we were combined. 180 yards out of bounds with three balls you know I mean it was it was not even close but like you said it was it would have been hard to keep a ball in bounds you yeah. know I mean that that's how hard it was with it yeah and it was it was super super tough and it was a, a completely different perspective on the course than the first time I played it in the, in the sunshine and that's that's what you get when you go to these places you do, you're it's almost I don't know like the the shots I'm replaying in my mind from two years ago are not even close to the same the second time around and you picture your your way around it and think you know your way around the course and then you come out in different conditions and it's a completely different golf course but that's part of the deal you get with some of these courses and I mean I'm just surprised you've made it this long without even mentioning your drive on 18 because I've been waiting to talk about this uh, in a public <laughs> space so I it's da- dead down on 18 and I lean on one or uh, you went first I guess you 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 bust one down the right side and hit hit a hit well no 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 it was it was it was uh, Jeff first Jeff yeah pounded one and i mean he's he's a he's a big hitter i mean he can beat the hell out of the ball i mean this guy's you know what is he six four six five and and moves it pretty good and he hit it down the right side and, and it took a, a bounce kind of kind of bounced off those mounds on the right over those bunkers kind of back into the fairway it was a it was a a good ball i mean it was exactly kind of where you wanted to place it you know we didn't necessarily know that at the time but it was kind of where you wanted to hit it if you were going to miss it and uh, go ahead just tell them what you did like whatever well, you brought it up. I, I mean, know, I but it, I, makes, it was I, like, hit a, I hit a I hit a good ball, and it, it kind of on the same line, and it it did the same thing. It kind of took that kick off the right side, and just took a a, a pretty friendly bounce. And I mean, it just kept going. I mean, you know, you get those if you hit one of those hard balls with not a lot of spin, which I didn't hit many of on the trip. But if you hit with with minimal spin, and you can get that thing going down those 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 firm fairways. I mean, the fairways are firm at Carnoustie. I mean, I don't know if it rained, not rain much or something, but that thing was. It was down there. I mean, it was close to the burn, that's for yeah. sure. You, so I leaned on one, didn't get the bounce you got, but you got me by a clean 60 yards if I'm, if I'm rounding down, probably. So it was, uh, it was not a prideful moment. I'm still thinking about it, still having a bit of nightmares about it. But uh, overall, we had a great day at Carnoustie. Um, it's a 45-minute drive up from St. Andrews. Uh, obviously a must-play if you're going to be in that area. I think we would all agree on that. Um, but uh, we were a bit rushed in the finish because we did have a somebody has some major connections, and we had a three thirty tea time, uh, afternoon tea time at the old course. We hopped in the van, headed out there for what I I'm confident in saying it was at minimum one of the most fun five rounds of golf that I've ever played in my life. Yeah, and I mean besides me basically ruining the first day of the trip personally, and 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 maybe to some you know as well. It was probably the worst decision I made. Second worst decision I made on the trip was pulling iron off the tee into like a thirty mile an hour headwind. And, and you, you played. I mean, you played an unbelievable round of golf and started with a double. I mean, I think you would you shoot seventy three. Yeah. And, and you make double on one. And I mean, one is anybody that's ever seen the old course. One is as as muted a start as you can expect. But I, I, I'll tell you this. And this is just. I guess historically, I, I've never pulled driver there, and it was definitely a driver. Uh, it was definitely driver off the first tee, and we hit long irons and had. I mean, I think I hit like four or five iron in, and I mean, it was just it was brutal. 
Before we get to the rest of the story of how I should have taken the head cover off the epic driver at the first hold St. Andrews, I want to talk a bit about something I haven't talked about on here yet, and those are the Callaway Apex Pro irons. Just got mine in the mail a couple days ago, unwrapped and put them in play today for the first time, and I'm absolutely obsessed with them. They have a best-in-class look to them. They are forgiving. They are incredibly accurate. I was firing at flags with them. I... I'm on the, quite a golf kick right now, and somehow these irons got me even more fired up about playing more golf. Uh, they're workable. They're a player's iron, but they still have a great distance. Can't wait to bust them back out. Uh, now back to the rest of the story from St. Andrews. Uh, so I just I had a lot more respect for what I had assumed was your gamesmanship. I thought your play was <laughs> to hit iron, and you knew you could hit iron on from from the or you could get on. And you knew I couldn't, so it was like my caddy told me to lay up with the, with my second shot. <laughs> and He's, hey, don't go for it, don't go for it. And you were like, "What are you talking about?" No, I I should have because I went in the burn, but I was I was like, I I I'm not allowed to lay up here. I cannot. I I will be ridiculed on this for the rest of my life if I lay up on the first hole at the old course. So had to go for it. Made double. Thought I was in for quite a rough day, but I, we just had. Great sunshine and like the perfect St. Andrews wind. It was, you know, on the front nine, it was into you and off the left, which means for the back nine, it's going to be downwind and off the right for the most part. And it's just about surviving those first six, seven, eight holes in that it kind of does feel like you're playing the same shot over and over again. I mean, it's you basically aim left and you hope to keep it on the property and try to keep it out of the wind and try to navigate your way through the second shot. And it's like, um, it, you basically have as much room as you want to miss left, but the further left you go, the worse your angle is. Different bunkers come into play, different hills come into play, and there's just I, I finally it took me like the third time playing the course to really fully appreciate for what it is. Because like you said a bit about Carnoustie earlier, if you go in with like the biggest expectations on the old course, I think you're kind of setting yourself up to be underwhelmed. Do you agree with that? I mean, I would say to start for sure. I think you nailed it. You you mentioned this. Uh, I think we were probably on, I think, about seven, which is – seven is kind of where the golf course changes. But, you know, one through six, especially two through six, um, into that headwind, you really are hitting basically the same golf shots. I mean, you're hitting – you're trying to keep driver low. You're hitting it left. You have similar clubs in besides the par five. Um, I mean, and then you get to seven and everything changes because you play, you know, the wackiness that's seven and 11, and then you get a par three and then you get a couple par fours you can get close to. But no, I mean, I, I think you, I think you nailed it. I think that early on, especially in that round, you know, I, I had people, you know, when I looped there, I had people that you could tell early on were kind of questioning the, the, you know, the authenticity of it. You know, yeah. what is this place? What are we doing here? And, uh, and it really takes getting to, I mean, I would even say probably getting to 14, before you really kind of understand it. And I mean, I think when the city really starts to come into view and you get a chance to kind of play those, and like you said, get, a, get to play them down where you have an opportunity to actually hit some golf shots and make some birdies. I think until you get to that spot, it really, it takes kind of a while to really understand what you're doing there. Yeah. And I, I, I think that just, there's so many, so much shot value in the, in the second shots on that front nine. And that, and what I appreciated, uh, Brett was my caddy who was fantastic. Just like, he, he talks you through a golf shot in a way that you don't talk through it with yourself and that it might be 156 to the pin. And instead of reaching for an eight or nine iron, he's saying, look, it's 112 to cover this swale. And if you hit, that's all you really want to do because you want to be beneath this hole and it's going to run out when you land. So 
I'm maybe grabbing a gap wedge when I was going to be reaching for an eight or nine iron if I start thinking about that pin number. And it just the kind of talking through shots and, and the value of adding a caddy to the round uh, who was just on, on point for the entire day made it just, just the most fun. And we, so you went out and even into that wind, which I did not understand at all because you, I mean, as for as much as you beat on the ball, you have a spinny driver and into those wind that you were not hitting the prettiest shots off the tee. Oh, I was awful. It was, it was, it was ugly. I mean, it was like, they were, they were going nowhere. They were getting beat up by the wind. They were coming right back at me. And then, like you said, I mean, when you're putting self, yourself in those positions, you, you have to hit such good second shots just to get it in the right area of the greens. I mean, that's what's crazy. And then uh, we, get, we, we, get, we get to 11, and I'll say it was – I've been, I've been around that golf course, I don't know, six, 50, 60, 70 times maybe. I have never seen the, the pin there on 11 in my life. I mean, the part three. <laughs> I mean, never. I'd never seen it put up there. And it was straight into the wind. I think you and I both hit four irons from, I don't know, what is it, 165, just to get it on. And we both hit the green. Yeah. And I struggled to three. You you hit a better putt, first putt than I did. But I had to make like a six-footer for a three-putt. It was a good three-putt, like a, a four on that hole. So I've heard that, that hole called the, the shortest par five in the world. Right. And with that pin, it, it like legitimately was a par four. Like it was, you could not get close to that pin. If you go long, you're absolutely dead. And anywhere on the green, it's almost impo- impossible to get your first putt close. So that was my, my only bogey on the back. Uh, and it was, it's only one of the only holes on the back that plays into the wind, actually. So the rest are play actually rather pretty easy. Uh, relatively speaking, uh, but yeah, that that whole that whole stretch, you know, when you cross, so seven and eleven, legitimately crisscross, and I would just always find that dynamic and that stretch of the course so crazy because it's usually, it's almost every foursome is four American golfers with four caddies, <laughs> That's right. and so there could legitimately be like thirty people between those two holes, and it, you can't get through them without people yelling for and just having the biggest cluster. And uh, it's just like, there's legitimately you can almost see probably a hundred people over like to the eighth hole to the tenth hole right there <laughs> over to twelve. There's just so many people out there. It's, it's just, it, it, I've always said it's like it like that feels like they always say it's like a park. You know, the old course is like a park. That feels like Central Park. There's so many bodies. I had a guy. I was playing seven, or I was caddying for a guy on seven, and I had a dude hit this like rope bullet hook, and it smoked this guy on the back on eleven. And I mean. You didn't even have time to yell for. I mean, that's how like <laughs> close everybody is. I mean, it like hit this guy not on the bounce, it was like on the fly, bam, right in his back. Luckily, the guy wouldn't hurt or anything. But I mean, that was like every day you'd loop that area. It was like so stressful because I mean, you, you know, you got a guy that's a twenty, and you're just trying to get him to, to put it in the right spot so nobody dies. Yeah, <laughs> so nobody dies. Uh, but then yeah, we turn turn from uh, twelve, and every hole from the rest of the way plays downwind. Uh, it actually got pretty gettable. Uh, we get to the road hole, um, and am I, am I glossing over anything? Did nothing really happen in between then? Anyways, can I say though, like, and starting kind of right here is, and you said it earlier, and I was going to say this, but like, people listening that never met Chris and never got a chance to play golf with him, and I don't know if this has been the last four or five years, but you were like so on brand with the no laying up brand that like when you hit a golf shot, it is like the perfect twirl and like when you like hit a great drive it is like it's not it's not bullshit either i mean it's like it's it's just part of it like it's it's almost like 
you know, when Justin Thomas does it or like when Tiger used to do it, it's like it's ingrained in his body, in his blood. And he like hits golf shots and it's like club turtle one step. And you're like, oh, okay. Like I don't, I can't do it. Even if I try to do it, I look like a fool. But like you pull it off. Like you've got the, you've got the, like the sauce that you've talked about for however many years. It is like in your blood. Like that must be your, you're like typo, you know, sauce or something. You're born with the sauce. You don't learn the sauce. And that's I was that's true. It runs deep in my veins. So um, <laughs> I had the, I had the sauce flowing pretty good on the back nine. It, it, that's that that right to left wind off your back is the best possible win for a right hander, and it just it it almost takes that right side out of play. You can take super aggressive lines off the tee, and I was just grooving it, started feeling it, but got too aggressive with our lines on the road hole. We were we were we went. <laughs> <laughs> As, well, you know me. I'm on the tee. I'm like, listen, you got to go right where they're telling you. And you and I were like aggressively right of where they were telling us. You put it next to the Heather. You got a, a, a nice little break. You're in the rough there next to the Heather. Actually, had like a perfect angle. Back left pin, the hardest pin on that green, I would think. Yeah, like think. the Sunday pin. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like here in the Heather, and there is a crowd at the Jigger Inn, and they are feeling loose. It's about 7.30 at night at this time, right? And Yeah, we teed off at 3.30, so probably around then, yeah. The sun is still shining bright, and like the crowd is fired up. And that, again, that pin is an impossible place, and you're a lefty. You hit like a cut punch eight iron around the road hole bunker to get back to that pin. And you got a raucous applause from the Jigger in. I mean, it was legitimately louder than – I'm at the Irish Open right now, louder than some of the ovations I heard at the Irish – louder than any of the ovations I heard at the Irish Open today. And you didn't tip your cap at them. I was disgusted. Absolutely yeah, I, disgusted. Listen, they were having a good time. They didn't need my acknowledgement. Uh, and, and it was – if it had been close – like if I'd have had like a five-footer, I think I might have given it to them. But I, I knew it was – probably short of where i wanted to be and i got up there oh get out of here i mean it was it was it was 30 40 short but i mean i hit a good shot but i it was i told the guys i told the guys during the senior open i said that must be like what it feels like to be you guys you know like where you're like these tour players that get like how how exhilarating how exhilarating must it be to hit a good golf shot and like have all these people yell like the speed hole out i mean that must be like the craziest feeling of all time because like 50 people doing it, and you're kind of getting little goosebumps and stuff. I got nervous because I still had to play out of the heather next. <laughs> and my ball was not sitting nice, and I, like, chunk-hooked an 8-iron. And as, for as loud as they were for your shot, they were, like, mocking mine. Because, like, there was, <laughs> like, like, a silence. It was, drunk, no, it was like a moan. Murmuring. It was like, oh. <laughs> it somehow skirted the bunker, and I was I was lucky to get up and down. But uh, that was just a cool moment. Like, the people were feeling feeling good. Uh, in that in that stretch of the course, but that's just that whole homecoming stretch. There's people out walking the course, and you kind of do just have an audience for it, and uh, it just it just made it that much that much more awesome. And let loose a club twirl on 18, and uh, great club twirl. You had yeah, a great club twirl on 18. Almost drove the green. It went to the top of the Valley of Sin and came all the way back. You drove it like over the green to the left, and the rest of our crew was there waiting, watching it, and just wrapped up again. Perfect sunshine. That amazing walk up that 18th hole, and uh man it was it was again my third time playing it and the, like i've it, it just blew the other two times out of the water the, that whole experience and i helped yeah, you, you, saw, a good and you sauced it and you and you sauced in a birdie i mean you you had i mean you you hit a good putt but it was probably what seven eight nine feet short you'd say and uh and you and you hit it and walked it right in i mean it was it was a great 
it was like a great finish. We had like nine presses going, um, and uh, and you you had like this per- got three or four under three under on the back, but you played a you played a hell of a round on the back nine, and I mean it was it was great. I, I would have in a way I would have been bummed if that one wouldn't have gone in just because I feel like you played so well, like you deserved to kind of finish it off with a three. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed in that first putt. It was actually about it's probably about. I think it was about 15 feet short. I mean, it was not that close, but okay. I had a I had a good line. I just had a good read on that putt, and I I did just pre I gave it a little tiger step on that one because I knew I was going to make it. But oh, you big step! You stepped halfway. I mean, you stepped. If it was 15, you stepped seven feet. By the way, I might be the worst person on the planet at trying to figure out how far putts are. It's a good thing you don't broadcast I'm, golf for I'm a living. Awful at it. But like, I mean, I need to like, I need to go like step them off or something. Like, I need to like go like practice this because I'll be like, oh, it was seven feet, and it's like I look on the thing and it's like three feet eight, and I'm like, geez, it's not very good. So luckily, we have all those graphics and stuff with it. But Lord, I mean, you're like, no, it's fifteen feet. I think I think every putt I've said distance wise so far, you've corrected me on this. <laughs> I'm petty like that. So. You're like, no, uh, no, that was definitely wrong. So we wrapped that day. Uh, I couldn't wipe the grin off my face, of course. Had to had to wrap it at the Dunvegan. Popped in there. Uh, had a couple of drinks. We had dinner. Did we eat dinner there that night? I forget. We did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We yep. got. We went back. We went and we went and got dropped our stuff off of that flat, and then uh, and then we went back to the vegan and had dinner. Yep. Shout out to Graylin Loomis who uh, let us take his flat for the week. Uh, that was awesome. Went done vegan and just soaked up the St. Andrews experience. Um, the rest of our group, uh, we only had one tea time. The other four lined up at 3 a.m. the next day and got out as a foursome, played as a four ball at 7 a.m. Unbelievable. It was a miracle, and it was awesome. I was super happy for them. So we all got to play the old course, um, and then we headed off to Ely for the afternoon for, without a doubt, in my mind, the windiest round of golf probably ever recorded in the history of man. It was, it was, you know, you, you just can't really quantify. Like, I feel like when it gets to a certain level of wind, like it just, they all blend together. But I mean, I've never played anything worse. I mean, if you play anything worse, like you're boarding up your windows. I mean, that's, I mean, it was blowing so hard. Like you, you just couldn't like, you couldn't get comfortable, but I mean, you could barely stay balanced. So, I mean, over golf balls, you know, we had this argument, I think, was that the round we had the argument if, if you if your club gets out of plane when the wind's blowing, yeah. and we were like, I, I yeah, think definitely le- it does. Legitimately, think the wind was affecting the routing of our club. Like it was hard if the wind was blowing like left to right, it was hard to get it as far back as you needed to. And like, uh, and it, I mean, there was I was hitting like legitimately hitting four iron from a hundred yards just to like try to punch it under the wind. I remember watching you hit mm-hmm. a shot. It was like a punch six iron from maybe like one ten. I, I know which one you're talking and about. It was I was up near the green. Backwards. The ball was going backwards by the time it landed and landed and went uphill. Like it went backwards up the hill when it landed. <laughs> and uh, we hit. <laughs> there was a par four that we both hit five irons over the green off the tee. Going back the other way, one of only like two downwind holes on the yep. entire day. Um, oh. oh, I lost so many golf balls. I've never it, it, that one. Like, there was the par three eleventh or something like that. Uh, the wind was so hard down by the water that the waves. We were getting wet from the waves. Like the wind was blowing the water into us as we were hitting. Uh, but so yeah. we, we made a bet. It was we crashing always, into it. I mean, you. Yeah. I was gonna say our traditional. Yeah, you bet, know, it was, uh, it was literally crashing into it when you. Yeah. Oh, this was great! Yeah, yeah. Traditional. We do a, a bet every major. We we pick teams to do different criteria every time. But this is the first one I've ever actually been able to settle. 
because we usually do a, a food bet that they don't make in Europe, and I'm never able to eat it. Uh, the, the bet was, I forget the name of the Twitter follower who, sh- who gave us this idea of uh, that I would have to tee up your ball every for 18 holes. And it actually ended up being kind of a perfect bet because it was the, just the right amount of shame and like cringeworthy video of you directing me where I had to tee the ball up. Um, and it wasn't like too disrespectful to the course. Some of the ideas we got were like, and actually, the next one is actually pretty disrespectful. We're going to have to find kind of a trashy course for, for me <laughs> oh, to wear. We'll go, we'll go to a muni or something yeah. for sure. Yeah, because the next bet, I have I, I like I'm that you assume. I like that you yeah. assume it's you. I always like that you always assume it's you. You're like, here's what I'll have to do. I'm like, I, well, I mean, I'm eventually going to go on a cold streak. This was the one you could have won. I mean, our teams were awful for the U.S. So Open. Bad. So bad. Nobody I mean, do you want to tell people? Do you want to tell people why you lost that? The reason um, you lost it because you yeah, complained because you set like some shady rules up and then I complained about shady? it. Shady. You listen. Shady. You had the pick and then you complained, so we changed the rule and you would end up winning. Yeah, I would have won if I didn't complain about it. So it was, I deserve it's to lose. Right. I deserve to lose <laughs> twice as bad as usual. Uh, but the next one is going to be that that I will have to wear a romp him on the golf course. Which is a great bet because I am gonna like do research actually to make sure that I don't have to buy a romp him. But uh, um, but yeah, it, it was a really fun day. I'd like to see that golf course not in the most ridiculous conditions ever recorded because I think I don't think we got the full appreciation for it uh, just because it was just yeah, so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like an old school. I mean, just old school links. So like we talked about. Um, I mean, it, it was it was really beautiful when you got to yeah. you know five six and kind of that stretch around the water, but. Um, those are the golf courses to me, Ely, and, and places like that, like London Links I've, I've talked about. I mean, those are the golf courses to me that, you know, when you do a, a golf trip, especially one to Scotland, throwing those in kind of in the middle of championship style golf courses, I think a lot of the time those are the ones you really remember, you know, because the expectations are zero. You have no idea what to expect. I mean, you're going to play a place that you maybe never even seen a photo about. So, like, I love adding those in. I mean, I yeah. would always say, you know, throw a couple of those in uh, on your trip and just try to find, I mean, Crail's one as well. I mean, just try to find a place that, you know, it, it's going to be relatively cheap. I mean, what was he, like 50 pounds, 40 pounds? And, you know, you, you, you get to go out there and you're kind of by yourself. It's not a, it's not a, I don't know, a big orchestrated deal. I mean, the first tee was kind of ours whenever we wanted it. And, um, and you get to kind of go play golf. And, I mean, you know, blows, if it blows 50 and you don't have a great day, it's okay. And if it was calm and we had a great round, we would have loved it as well. So I, I'm with you. It's, it's a place I would have loved to see. I was actually kind of surprised. You sent over a, a, a top 100 list of uh, Ireland and the U.K. And, I mean, Ely's on there. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just kind of, kind of credit to it. I mean, it, it's, it's a good, good little golf course. Yeah, and it's it's fun, you know. Some of the there's so many like greatest hits courses in the in Scotland and Ireland and all these places, and it's great to get to play that you know the top courses. But that's not necessarily like how golf is normally played every day in Scotland and Ireland. So, I do love mixing in a golf course that like just I don't want to say normal Scottish people or Irish people play, but that's kind of the deal. Like not everybody lines up and gets to play Kings Barnes every day or the old course every day. Right, exactly. like they have their local clubs that they play golf at, and it's great to get to experience some of those. I mean, they're just so so uh, ancient and so much history to them, and it's fun to see what, what courses hold up to modern technology, what what works, what doesn't. Then uh, we had a great course that we finished on that, that holds up great to it. We'll get to that. But next up was Kings Barnes. Uh, also, not our first time uh, playing that course um, what is your, what, how would you describe Kings Barnes to somebody that's never played it? 
I mean, I, I think Kings Barnes is probably the most beautiful course you'll play in Scotland. I mean, it, it is, it's got great views. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, I love playing there. I, 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 it was, it was interesting. I thought as a group, um, the takeaway wasn't that, uh, it wasn't necessarily. And, and again, I think we were with very golf obsessed people that they like love, um, you know, the kind of the history behind golf courses. But I, I mean, I, I think Kingsborn's, you know, one through 18, there's not really a throwaway golf hole. And so, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I've always loved it. I mean, you know, once you get through one, I mean, it really is, you know, you kind of see the ocean from every hole and I know it's new, but to me, it's, it, it's a must play. I mean, if you go to Scotland, especially in the St. Andrews area, and you don't play Kingsborn's, I think you're doing yourself a serious disservice. I mean, when you get to 12 on, you know, 12 basically to finish up, it is it, it is so good. I mean, twelve is such a good par five. Oh, it's the best. It's like the, one of the most aesthetically pleasing par fives, like to the to the eye that I've ever played. I think it 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 is kind of like you know you go you typically go to Scotland to kind of play the historic courses or go to you know St Andrews is St Andrews and Kingsbarns couldn't be bigger like contrasting courses. You know, one like Kingsbarns fifteen years old. And it's just a truly modern golf course. It's it's essentially built for the American tourist that comes over and is right. willing to pay you know pretty large sum to play an amazing golf course. And it people line up to play it because it is awesome. Like it is it is incredible, but it's not traditional Scottish links. So if you go in with that understanding, then I think there's absolutely nothing to dislike about that course. But if you go in thinking you're getting this you know historic historic place and and that you got you know steeped in history and is going to be traditional Scottish links, you could end up with that reaction, kind of like you know, I mean, it's not what I was expecting, but I mean, it's just a big boy track. It's it's grand. It's got you know big fairways and really pure turf, and you don't have to have to like play in front of the greens. You can land it on the green. It's a totally different style, but I don't know. It's it's awesome. I think it's so much fun to play. There's so many great golf holes, like you said, out there. Fifteen is an incredible hole. So scenic, and uh, yeah, like I said, the, the first hole is kind of, <clears throat> you know, okay. 18th hole is not like the best hole, um, but it is just like an incredible golf course and a, an absolute must play if you're in the area. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, if you if you skip out on Kingsbarns, I mean, you're, like I said, you're, you're skipping. I mean, they call it the Pebble Beach of Scotland for a reason. I mean, I I like it. I like it as much as any of the places that we get to play. I mean, the old course has a soft spot in my heart, but and I'm and I'm kind of an old school guy too, but. I think, like you said, I think knowing what you're getting yourself into there is extremely important. And then, like, it's just, I mean, golly, like you said, I mean, 12, 15, 17. 17, I think, is one of the best par fours that we play. 17 at, sorry, you said that again? At Kingsbarn, 17, one of the best par fours? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just think 17 as a par four is just such a good such a good hole. I mean, I just think it's, it's, it's a lovely little one up the hill. and. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes two really, really good golf shots to get the ball closed. Yeah, yeah. The the, the whole finishing stretch is is so solid. And then uh, we wrapped up there, and we had a, about a two hour drive down to the last round on the trip, uh, North Berwick, a place neither of us had seen before, heard a lot about, and uh, I I didn't really fully know what to expect other than seeing a couple pictures of the of the wall going through the golf course. Uh, I think we another super windy day. Uh, I think we both God. left that place. Kind of, I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, um, but what, what what was your immediate reaction to North Berwick? Well, I think you and I both left wanting to play it again. I mean, yeah. I think that was kind of our initial reaction. Like it was it was a bummer that we got it in such brutal conditions because I think it's a place that um, once once you and I you know say in ten years from now and we go on we go over Scotland a couple more times, 
I think it's going to be in our top two or three favorite links golf courses, maybe in the world. And I, and I just feel like, um, you know, when it's, when it's windy, that's fine. When it's 40 and 50, it's, it's just tough to play golf. It's tough to keep your composure. It's tough to, you know, you know, continue to hit good golf shots. But I think you and I, I think, you know, that, that you start on nine, nine is a par five and it goes par five, it goes par five, par five, par three, par five, and you turn back in towards the city. And it's, it's as good as it gets, really, from that, that point forward. Every single hole in that stretch has something that, significant that I like, remember about it. And it's, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. And you, you, start, I mean, you start out those first few holes. They're along the sea. They're incredibly scenic. Again, for us, it was just a brutal into the wind and like there's three like legitimately our caddy was like said something like that there's a 400 yard par four he's like this is a three shotter today and he was not exaggerating (laughs) he was very very real like it was absolutely unreachable um and we just like are slugging our our trolleys up eight holes into the wind and just getting beat down and then you get you get the relief coming back but just the city that the the course that sits right in the city with along the sea and then those holes on the back nine, the, the design elements to it that are just so incredibly fun. The original Redan hole, there's the hole that, and I know I talked about some of this with Rue on the on the first, on part one of this uh, podcast, but a hole where you know you pit, you hit a little iron down the fairway, then you got to pitch like a lob wedge over a over a freaking wall to this green that's just on its own <laughs> on the other side of a wall. It's so cool. And the next hole is like it's called perfection, and it's like a true like risk reward. Do you try to drive it over this these two bunkers in the fairway that you might get on the green, or if you're in those bunkers, you're making five no matter what. It it was just and then the original Verdan is the fifteenth, sixteen um, uh, was another like risk reward potentially drivable hole. Seventeen, a great par four down the wind that. The second shot is uh, just a, a crazy trying to figure out where to land that shot, and then like a drivable 18th. It's one of the most fun and best stretches I think we played on the trip. For sure, yeah. The the back nine there is. I mean, I it, since I've got back, I've I've talked to some people about it, and I mean they they've all said. I mean it's it's one of their favorites. It is. Uh, it, I mean it's up there with with me. And, and like I said, I I would like to play it again. I mean I I hit a lot of. I would say I made a lot of bad decisions off the tee on the back nine. You know, like I, I hit a couple shots that that just got me in trouble or could get me in trouble. And it was a bummer because I would like to play it again and, and, and play back on some of those or maybe take a couple on because again, I mean, you, you can go, you can go low on that back nine, you know, I mean, you've got a chance to, to really score if you put it in the right position. And, and then, you know, consequently, I mean, you can, you can make some big numbers if you do the wrong thing. So I, uh, I liked it. It was, it was fun to see, you know, kind of a, the, the host of the trip make Eagle on the last as we were wrapping up the trip was pretty fun too. That was a, that was cool to see. It was it was it was a great little moment there on eighteen. I thought. Yeah, it was, and just kind of everyone gathering around there and to to end the trip. And you're, again, you're set right in the city there, the clubhouse right behind the green, much like you are at St Andrews. And uh, man, it was perfect. It was great. I mean, we had overall good weather. The wind was, you know, it, and I know people listening to this might roll their eyes, like that's Scotland, like that's what you get. The wind, like this, we I've played in like a. I think the wind we had at St Andrews was like a great, challenging, really strong solid wind uh i thought what we had at ely and north barrack was like borderline not want to play golf in that kind of wind if it was like a normal right right, course, right it was like unbearable we were i think at ely too at one point uh like you hit a three iron like 340 you hit it in a bunker that was like 340 away if i remember right um and i like towed a driver that went 400 yards like up a hill because it was just <laughs> 
it just it was that windy and then i right. had, a, had a driver that went 180 going the other way so it was it was, yeah. it was it, part of it was fun but part of it was like all right this is a bit too much so. yeah and you and you know what like looking back on it like something that you know you you have to almost almost like plan in advance is like you can't you almost can't let it get to you you know i mean i know it's hard but like like it's it's one of those things like when you go on any golf trip really like if the weather sucks like it's just got to be part of it and i mean it was it was brutally windy but like i almost wish like i had i'd had a better attitude about it because like i feel like there were times where it was like it was kind of beating me up to the point where i was like man this kind of this kind of this kind of sucks and and you don't want to be like that because you're playing golf in scotland for god's sakes and i kind of almost feel like Next time I go over there, like before I got to go, you know, it might blow 50 every round and that's how you have to almost approach it. Yep. And it was fun. Um, uh, it was, it went by really fast. It was great having Colin. Our driver was awesome. Just kind of added to the experience. We stayed in great places, got to sample some, some nightlife and kind of, uh, I don't know, it was like a, a golf's greatest hits trip and it was, uh, it was a great way to spend a few days. So, um, anything we missed? I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we, we ordered oh. dominoes at the Jigger Inn. Oh, that, that, was, uh, no. that was something. Oh, yeah. All right. We did miss something. We, uh, after the Ely round, so we, we did go over and played uh, some uh, few holes at the Jubilee in the new course until sunset, basically, just because we couldn't get enough yeah. golf. And then we took our clubs uh, and just walked over to Jigger Inn and walked across the old course and uh, yeah, ordered some scotch, smoked some cigars, and ordered dominoes to the Jigger Inn and ended the night there. That was, that was ideal. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, I, I was thinking after that, that, that Ely round, you and I were talking about playing more golf. I didn't think anybody was going to join us. Like I thought everybody was going to say, no, we ended up having five, I mean, five of eight go over there. And, and I think the only reason we didn't have eight, eight is because the other guys have been up since 3am. Right. And, um, I was, I was, I was shocked. I mean, like that, that it, it encapsulates what a, what a trip is all about is you get done with the day and everybody looks at each other and goes, do you want to play a couple more? And we went over there and did it and it was awesome. <laughs> And Patrick, Patrick Koenig was the one that played 36 that day and had been up at 3 a.m. and had been like in Ireland for like 10 more rounds before the trip even started and still <laughs> didn't, couldn't get enough. Uh, so that was, that was awesome. And um, I, I, another thing I meant to mention, Tom Murray, the guy on the trip, has a, a tradition on golf trips that at the end of it, uh, you give out awards. I thought this was a great touch. Like you gave everyone an great award. Great idea. And uh, a great way to cap it off is like most. I don't. I forget what yours was. Most likely, to, was it something about you missing your flight or like scheduling your flight for the wrong? I think day? it was like the the Expedia award for like booking booking something of the year. It was it was really good. It was that was a great idea. And again, if you're in Scotland, you drive a lot in a bus, and that is a really good way to to you know to have fun for an hour. I mean, yeah. like you're you're getting done with the trip. Everybody's in there having a beer, and and he was yucking it up. I mean, he, he, he great sense of humor, and it was a. It was a brilliant, brilliant little addition to uh, to the trip. Was doing that at the end. Yeah, and I, I'm a big proponent now, especially in a group of eight, of taking a, a luxury van like that and, and you know enjoying your time commuting from one place to another, not stressing about logistics because everything's taken care of for you. It may be a slightly bigger premium, but for the you know people that don't want to come over and drive on the left side of the road and whatnot, I thought that was a, a great touch and a great way to get around. Um, and uh, yeah, like nice leather seats and beer on the bus, and it's just a a total addition and wi-fi i wi-fi, mean it, it is yeah. yeah i mean it it is really funny though because for the first 30 minutes after a round and everybody gets on the bus it's literally no talking because everybody's <laughs> on their phone <laughs> like they're like all just like nose deep in their phone like 
catching up on what they missed or, you know, checking in at home and stuff like that. And, uh, and that's kind of what happens when you, when you go across the pond. Damn millennials. millennials. Yeah. So, all right, Shane, uh, thank you, man, for helping me debrief anything. Uh, you have a new podcast out this, well, I don't know what, uh, this probably won't come out till next week, but you just had Bones on. I haven't listened to it yet, but how was Bones? Bones was great. Um, I, I, I tried, I tried to, to jump on that whenever, uh, whenever the news came out. Um, you and I, you and I talked a little bit about, uh, about him joining the TV ranks when we were in Scotland and, and we were both pretty fired up about it. So I think, uh, I think it's, it's going to, I mean, it's a great addition for that team too. I mean, it, he'll be, uh, he'll be instantaneously amazing. I think at TV, so it was fun. And they told some Phil stuff on the back end. I asked him, um, which event kind of stood out that, that Phil won and, it's not the 04 Masters, which I thought was uh, was a little surprising. I, I figured that would be the one. Uh, and I also asked him why caddy player celebrations, for the most part, are awful. And he actually had a pretty insightful answer, I thought. <laughs> was it a good enough teaser? Yeah. People are going to go download oh, it. So and also, you and I had, you and I had a, at, the, at the end of the trip, I got to experience what you have done for like three years of your life is watch a golf tournament in the States at like midnight on your yeah. iPad that is sling boxed <laughs> in on crappy Wi-Fi. And we ended up getting to see this feet chip in. It was awesome. That was like the only shot we got to see. The Wi-Fi was cutting out. It was the only so thing we saw. <laughs> do you, can you please share with the people what my struggle has been like? Can you, do you now have an appreciation oh, for it? Oh, my. I mean, it was, it was so frustrating that if it had been me, I would have given up. Yeah. Like, I would, I would have stopped doing it like two years ago. You, um... You just kept, I mean, you were just cool about it. You kept refreshing. It would freeze. You'd restart it. It would freeze. You'd restart it. It would freeze. Now, we're using, you know, hotel Wi-Fi or whatever, which I'm assuming your Wi-Fi back at Amsterdam was a little bit better. But it, was, it wasn't easy. And, I mean, you, as much as you travel, you're having to do this. But let me tell you, all of the things you liked from Chris and from No Laying Up over the years, um, you should give him a double appreciation for, be, for having to do all that the way he's done it because it is – I mean, you're talking about literally watching almost every golf tournament the last three years on an iPad, hoping that the Wi-Fi is good enough to where it doesn't skip. Am I a hero? It's you know, it's hard to say, but um, struggle is real, man. I mean, it's yes. it's tough being you. It's a, it is tough. So, uh, all right, man. Uh, this is going to be like three hours worth of Scotland podcast. So I don't want to hear anything from anyone about about me not posting any podcasts recently after this. So. Uh, but thank you uh, for the time, man. For now, we're going to get back to part two with Rue and uh, enjoy that. And Shane, we'll catch up soon. For sure. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we said goodbye to everyone. Everyone got on their flights. And from, from myself, I just had, I'm going to the Irish Open. I leave tomorrow. I'll probably already be there, but I will already be there by the time this is posted. Um, but I had time to kill. I had like nine days before that started, and I'm in the process of moving back to the States. But haven't really fully moved back yet, so I just said I'm renting a car and I'm going to go drive Scotland and go get to do some stuff that A, I didn't get to do on the first couple legs, and B, that I may not ever have the chance to do. I don't know when I'll have time, just open calendar, open schedule, uh, and time to drive through Scotland, so I'm feeling pretty good about what I was able to do the last eight days. Um, first step was to rent a car and get from Edinburgh and go back to Aberdeen, because we really only got to play Cruden Bay in Aberdeen. So I wanted to play Trump International, and I wanted to play Royal Aberdeen, and I wanted to get up to Fraserborough, and I was able to do that in that order. Um, first up, Trump International. Now, I know it is a bit of a touchy subject, and I got some expected blowback when I tweeted some pictures from being out there. Just A, Trump is a, a very polarizing figure, to say the least, as well as there was a lot of controversy that went into the building of that golf course. I did a lot of 
uh, crowdsourcing the area just to see what people, what locals thought of it. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on how the building of that, that golf course went down or overall how that was perceived by people in that area. Yeah, you know, I want to keep away from the political side of, of things, and and, um, and you know, for, it's yeah, been... for, the, for the purposes of this, we are going to talk about the golf course, right? <laughs> and uh, regardless of whose name is attached to it, uh, evaluate whether or not we think it's a, a worthwhile place to play. Which I definitely thought so after playing it. But sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you know, the golf course, uh, from a positive standpoint, has increased the amount of traffic going to Croon Bay and Royal Aberdeen, which I think I'd phrase about the other course in the region so that's a positive it's brought more notoriety to the area of Aberdeen which was often overlooked Um, from a course construction standpoint I think you commented about the size of the dunes and they are I think the one thing that Mr Trump's actually said that's correct um, you know he he likes to lie but the dunes are the biggest dunes in the world he's built uh, a golf course through you know, ridiculously high sand dunes. Um, and the reason he, he he could do that was because it was a protected area. The, the dunes were naturally moving. I'm not going to bore people. But um, so the course is spectacular. It's like a stadium course. It feels very, you know, big when you're playing it. Uh, I think it could be a potential, uh, a great potential venue for, uh, you know, again, a world match play or, um, you know any other you know Ryder Cup it, it has that big kind of element to it but uh, for me um, it's not a course that I want to rush to play if you want to get a sample of some some old school uh, Scottish links golf um, it's it's still quite new it's uh, in its fifth or sixth year now so the, the fairways are still trying to mature and get a little bit firm um, you know even stuff aesthetically it looks great but like the, the bleached fairways and the bleached paths not for me um, you know golf courses are a little bit like women it's subjective mm-hmm. you know you might like a golf course for me Trump doesn't do it for me uh, it's one that I recommend to people because it's you know a well designed golf course and it's uh, it's got the fame and it's got the owner attached to it but um, for me it's not my cup of tea but uh you get a sense of maybe when you play it, you kind of think, oh my God, look how natural this is. But then you stand back and you think, well, the dunes are this big. How can they possibly be this big? And, um, you know, the fairways basically are just carved through these huge sand dunes. And um, it's, as I said, it's brought notoriety and it's brought, you know, economic benefit to the area to some degree, but probably not to the degree it was. Um, it was pitched to or offered to initially, but um, yeah, it's it does does fine. But uh, keen to hear your thoughts away mm. from the political side and the right. owner. Um, so I, I think I mean I had obviously heard about the controversy that went into building it, but I don't think I had full appreciation for for it because I, I just it was a, it was kind of an afterthought for me. But I know that the people in the area, it's not necessarily the case. But I was uh, it's I was expecting it to be super difficult because of. The dunes are, it's like you hit it to it, your ball's pretty much gone. But the fairways are actually very wide. They're wide and like it's kind of like Aaron, the way Aaron, like Rory was describing Aaron Hills. Like if you hit it in there, you should be packing your bags and going home. Um, I thought it was just amazing how they carved, how they, how they did it. Um, that's what I was mostly amazed of is how they built a golf course through this and how they used this land and um, how it came together. And I thought it's in really, it was in really good condition. 
Um, I, I know they they mentioned that the 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 the, sea, the grass had been had germinated pretty well in this season, and that they, they thought it was the most mature that it's been, etc. I got to play with um, with one of their the, a gentleman that works there who works in membership sales. His name's Joel, uh, and we had we had a great time. And I mean, it was it rained a little bit on us, um, and you know, we didn't have like the picturesque sun hitting the dunes and making the shadows across it that you see on the website. And that's kind of how that that course is a course like that is designed to be played. But yeah, it's you're totally right, and that's not a typical Scottish golf course, but. I think it's a fascinating achievement and fascinating use of the land and really fun, like some really fun holes out there. Um, the greens were were very non-traditional and they kind of, you know, had some humps and bumps to them and not like a traditional links layout or links type green that you would see. But it felt it felt like a, a kind of an American version of a Scottish course that you would play in the States. You know, I mean, it didn't feel like Kings Barnes to me or anything like that. But just kind of felt like a golf course that you could plop in the U.S. and it would feel like in the U. You were, you know, it didn't like necessarily feel like you're playing in Scotland while you were there. But um, some of those, like that tee box on that like the 13th or 14th, whatever the big par four is, that was one of the most remarkable whole like tee shots I've ever hit with a C and you're hitting way downhill off this massive dune. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's there was I I walked away think being kind of blown away by it and amazed by it again, not in the traditional sense by any means, but. I thought it was just a fascinating, fascinating place. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, as I said, a place that when you're going up to Aberdeen, you've got the three big courses up there, Crudo Bay, Royal Aberdeen, and Trump. And they're three top 100 golf courses all within 18 miles of, like, golden coastline, like almost California-esque yeah. coastline up there. So, uh, yeah, a pretty uh, special part of the world for any golfer to visit, um, given the kind of concentration of world-class golf courses and Lynx golf courses on offer there. Uh, Royal Aberdeen was the other one that you played, I believe, um, the following day. Yep. Well, and I, I think I just want to touch on just how, you know, Aberdeen's not far. Like, you, you are not going that far from where you are in St. Andrews and how, you know, if you're designing – a golf trip and maybe you spend four days and playing in the St. Andrews area, go up to Aberdeen and play two, three days there. Like shoot up. If you're making a seven day trip, it's super easy and it's totally worthwhile. You just mentioned those three courses all within earshot of each other. I went and I went and uh, Richie Ramsey set me up actually with a couple of his buddies and we, uh, Sean and Matt. And then I also played with a, a guy that uh, uh, his name is Padraig who follows, uh, or listens to the podcast and invited me out. We were able to get out, had an awesome four ball, so much fun. And uh, kind of didn't I didn't focus much on the course just because we had just a fun, a really fun four ball and just kind of you know shooting the shit and had a, had a great time. Aberdeen itself was tough to me. It was narrow. I lost a lot of balls and I didn't. I just didn't feel like I played the course well the way it was designed and it made me walk away from it not loving it, which isn't fair. It's not a fair. It's not even like a real critique of it. Like it being too too tough for just too hard for me. It was too hard. <laughs> Um, yeah. and then, but after that I had time too, and I, so I went back up to Cruden Bay and played, I think I only made it through 15 holes cause I got so tired by the end of it in the wind. But yeah, the, those three courses in that area, um, it's fascinating. Aberdeen was so cool to get that experience of playing with some members and, you know, have a coffee in the clubhouse, look at pictures and, and then we out, went out for beers and dinner after, after the day was over also it was great. So um, yeah, you can stay right there in Aberdeen. Aberdeen's a bumping, bumping city. I think there's 250,000 people there that live there or something like that. Um, and now everything is just all so darn close and, uh, it's, it was, it was great. And, and the, everyone that I talked to there 
kind of said similar things to you said about the Trump, but like people at Aberdeen are thrilled about it because they get way more visitors now. Cruden Bay, same way, and even up at Fraserboro, yeah. um, just how many more people are coming to the area now, which is which is great for everyone there. And they they, you know, they they're hesitant to say anything about Trump, but they're really excited that that course is there now. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as you say, you've got Fraserborough as well there, which is a little bit further north, uh, probably 40 minutes drive from Aberdeen. And to give people context, Aberdeen's two hours from St Andrews on the on a very straight part of uh, road. I yeah. used to commute that a lot, and uh, it's the most boring drive of um, you experience. But it's like only two hours away, and then Fraserborough is this like old school course, very much like Elian, kind of built in the same time, like kind of uh, beautiful links land and super underrated. And um, I was so pumped to see you made it out there and experience some uh, some good Scottish summertime. Oh, my God. So I, I got to say, uh, I, yeah, I went up there. And again, you see the seventh oldest course in the world. They were thrilled that I was coming up. And I showed up, and Jerry Chalmers is the secretary there. And I just said, I could only come on this one day because um, I was playing Nairn the next day. And uh, it was like, all right, I'm going to go at least see the course. Um, and it was raining sideways. It never stopped raining the entire day. The wind was whipping. It was the worst weather I've seen. I've, I've probably spent close to a month total of my life in Scotland, the worst I've ever seen it in Scotland. And when I had said to Jerry, I was like, I think I, think I am going to go play. He was like, what? <laughs> like, he was shocked. No locals were out playing anywhere in the area that day. That made, that's, how, that's how bad you knew the weather was. And I felt so bad. I tried to talk him out of it. I'm like, you don't have to do this, man. He was putting on rain gear. He's like, no, I want to show you a few holes. And he came out and played three holes with me and just got absolutely drenched. Like there were, We had no business playing out there that day. So I definitely didn't get the full Fraserboro like experience. Like I, I, it was hard to like. I didn't take any. I could barely take any pictures because my phone was just getting soaked, and my whole bag is still a little bit wet. Like four days later, and it's starting to reek a little bit. Um, so I got the just a crazy experience. But I, I again, I was expecting super quirky. Didn't really feel like it was super quirky. I thought there was some really fun, fun holes out there. I love the thirteenth hole. The green is awesome. Like uh, back sloping green. Yeah, um, which I think was used as a uh, Gil Hans used that hole as for part of his design in Rio, if I remember that right. Yeah, so little Fraserborough, um, which is like a little village, uh, fishing village, like just north of Croon Bay, and that thirteenth hole. I think it was Gil Hans, one of Gil Hans's shapers, used it um, as inspiration for. Yeah. I think it was the ninth green on the real Olympic course, which is kind of cool to think. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I I thought it was in a you know people were giving me giving me crap when I called and I said I was off the beaten track to go up there, but like I, not a ton of Americans it's included on your itinerary up there. So mixing in kind of you know super super old golf club, they had minutes in there from like nineteen or sorry seventeen seventy seven, like the initial founders meeting or something like that, and uh, just like having that kind of memorabilia on hand and seeing a place that's just so incredibly old school. Uh, it was just a super cool part of the experience. I mean, it was, uh, and there was no one else on the course that entire day until I was on 18 and one other group was coming up number one. And of course the guy was a no laying up follower. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. He came right up and was like, Hey, and was like, of course we're the only ones out here right now. And, uh, he played some really off the beat. His name is Percy. He played some really off the beaten track courses, uh, in, in that area. So, I was kind of jealous of some of the courses he was playing too, even though I had a, an incredible itinerary. But 
Yeah, uh, and, yeah and one, thing about, one thing about Fraserborough, um, I think, is just totally disregard the first and 18th hole. Um, you'll yeah. almost drive there and you'll think, God, what have I done? Um, but, like, the, the back nine there again, like you mentioned 13, like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, uh, some of the best holes, I think, some really cool par threes and, like, old school golf, similar to Ron Aberdeen's front front nine, which is regarded by many as the best kind of uh, links nine holes in golf. So, um, you know, I love Fraserborough. It's, like, 45 pounds around. It's old school. It's, like, so uncommercial. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah. uh, they, I think they get, like, um, if you put it into context, I think Cruden Bay might get, like, 8,000 visitor rounds. I think... Um, a place like Fraserburgh gets like 800, 900 visit around a year. Yeah. So. Yeah, I believe it. It's not, it's just, it's super close. Again, I'm looking at, and I think you even have specifically recommended it as a good stopover between Aberdeen. And if you're playing Aberdeen and Inverness area, like if you're, it's not far out of your way to go up to Fraserburgh and it's totally worth breaking up your drive. And that's exactly how I did it. I just drove up one morning and then uh, played and then ended up, ended the day in uh, in Inverness. So I think that's a, kind of the perfect way to do it. Yeah, and how are you? How are you finding the driving at this point in the in the rental vehicle? Easy, um, easy, yeah. not a problem at all. I mean, I may have in my first rental hit a curb on my way into parking it, like a, literally returning the car to the rental car place, and I chipped the rim on it, and they're going to no doubt ding me for that. Um, but I just, I find it easy, put podcasts on. And so now I kind of see why people are getting all over me for not posting podcasts recently is after like driving for like eight hours, I was like, come on, man, where's the next podcast? I need, I need to kill some time here. Um, so we're making up for it. This, we're going to go, this will be a two-parter and we're going to get a couple hours of just talking Scotland golf. So. Uh, I'm making up to for my lack of podcasts in June, but uh, enjoyed Fraserborough. Then went up to Nairn, and we already talked about Nairn. And then uh, from there, I made the not convenient trip. But again, it was a it was Friday, and I was leaving town on Tuesday, so I just I had time. And I said I'm gonna hate myself if I don't do it because I've heard you talk about this place. I've heard. You know, a lot of people talk about Michael Bamberger said if I could play one round of golf anywhere in the world, it would be uh, at Macrahanish. And so I made the, broke it up into two days. I drove three hours after the round at Nairn and then two hours the next morning out to like this peninsula in, in southwest Scotland out in the boonies in the middle of nowhere. Made the trip out and played at Macrahanish at your recommendation. But you, you said I should have flown out there. <laughs> So um, I don't know what you were doing to me. I'm I'm out in Paris at the H and A Open de France, watching the Tommy Fleetwood flush um, flush show here, just like absolute stripe show. Um, and you're texting me saying, "I think I'm going to drive from Nairn to uh, Macrahanish." <laughs> and basically, went and looked on a map and thought, "What's the longest drive possible in Scotland?" And uh, I'll maybe do it. And to give people context, Scotland is like half the size of the state of Florida. So, um, you know, while on a map, it might not look a lot, a couple, you know, an inch on a map. Um, given the road infrastructure, you'll know you drove the uh, the A9 through the, the middle of Scotland. Uh, we don't have the, the most um, efficient roads, should we say. Certainly no highways between Nairn and um, Macrahanish. So I don't know how long that drive took you, but uh, I'm really pumped that you got out to Macrahanish, but um, it wouldn't be a start. Nairn certainly wouldn't be a starting point for that trip. No. 
So the Macrohanish and the, the 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 knock against it overall, I guess, is that. So we've talked about the Highlands, we talked about Aberdeen, we talked about St Andrews area and Edinburgh area, et cetera, with North Berwick, um, about how much golf there is just overall in that area and other courses and whatnot. And uh, Macrohanish is just so far out there and not like a golf region. Now there are two golf courses. There's the Macrohanish Golf Club and Macrohanish Dunes there that make it worthwhile to just kind of stay there and go, but it's not like the most convenient place to go. And you're, you're just not going there on your first trip. But I, again, I'd heard so much about it from you guys. I was like, I've got, and I've got the time, like what's the big deal. So, I'll, so what I'll drive five hours. Like I might as well do this now. When am I ever going to design another trip? That's going to come back here. Well, now that I've done it, I'd like to, um, but you know, in my head, I'm thinking this is probably the best opportunity I'll have to go make sure I go play it. And I made the drive down. It's a beautiful drive. You drive right through Loch Lom or not Loch Lomond. Like what? Are, what is? Um, uh, I, I, there was like signs for Loch Ness everywhere. What, what do you no, call yeah. that area? Yeah, well, Loch Ness initially you would have, and um, but then you do drive very close to um, Loch Lomond, which is in the southwest, yeah. um, sort of south of Glasgow. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful drive. It's like. Yeah, be- certainly a beautiful drive, and but if you, you need to give yourself time, you don't want to be like driving quickly down those roads because it's just crazy. Uh, and uh, when you're at when you're at the tip of the peninsula there at Macrahanish, you could literally swim to the um, Irish Open at Portshure. Mm-hmm. I think you're closer to um, you're closer to uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, than you are actually to like Central Scotland uh, at that point. Definitely. So you can see, you can on a nice day, you can see Northern Ireland. Um, so uh, you know, it's a really cool spot. It's quite isolating. It gives you a sense of uh, you know certainly being out in the middle of nowhere when you're out on the golf course. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I put, I think I mentioned North Berwick would be my favourite. I think. Macrohanish Golf Club, the, the one that Tom Morris designed. Yeah. And you, we're talking about traveling here in 2017. Could you imagine how Tom <laughs> Morris traveled out there um, in 18, what, 1888 or something stupid like that and yeah. how he got there? Um, so uh, what did you make of the course? The two courses there, again, like Trump International have done to Royal Aberdeen and Cruden Bay, um, the Macrohanish Dunes course, which is a... Uh, uh, David McClay kid designed course similar to Trump in, in, in the fact that it was ring fenced with kind of green tape uh, on an environmental site and that new course uh, Lynx course has brought you know more interest and more visitor traffic to Macrahanish old course which I think is a great thing mm-hmm. and um, yeah worth the drive down there uh, you drove but you can get a 30 minute flight from Glasgow airport uh, daily that gets you into Macrahanish at um, like nine thirty, you can play two rounds of golf and get a flight back at five o'clock back to to mainland uh, civilization there. So um, yeah, what was your thoughts on uh, on that on that place? Uh, I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was such a cool vibe. So it's known for having the best opening hole in the world, so they claim. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a bold claim. I mean, it is a, yeah. it's a special hole. And you tee off across the Macrahanish Bay to like a pretty wide fairway that kind of is angled up. Like you basically, the hole goes left. Doesn't really dog like you're just kind of at an odd angle. It is a super cool hole. Again, I was expecting small, old, quirky course. Not at all the case. It's a big boy golf course. I mean, it's not like a King's Barns, but I mean, there's just plenty of space to hit the ball out there. Some crazy uh, elevation changes and through the dunes and whatnot. Um, again, but again, this was so this was a stretch that I had that. I think I even texted you at one point. I, th- I was like, I think I'm broken. Like, I, it broke me because there was 0% chance of rain in the forecast. 
Um, and by the fifth hole, the rain came and did not stop for mo- until the end of the round. And I didn't have an umbrella, um, which is my own fault. Was, even if it's a 0% chance of rain, you carry your umbrella. But we just got soaked through that, through that round. And yeah, you had a push cart, didn't you? Yeah. yeah the push cart saved you there, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it, I mean, I, I, I did love it. Um, I, but again, I, I, I thought by the end of the round, we were all miserable and cold because of like how bad the weather was. Um, and I mean, we had, we had a blast. I met, ended up meeting up with an American guy who was a member there actually. And then, uh, another couple that was from, one guy was from Wales and one guy, lady was from England. They were members there too. So they had like fallen in love with the place at different times of their lives and, and joined. And one guy as a member from the States, he comes over and he's played it, you know, he comes over and plays it four or five times a year, maybe, or something like that, but just fell in love with it and, and just kept playing it. So it is, uh, it, there's, it's some super fun holes, super fun shots, um, big greens with, with crazy elevation changes in the greens and the fairways are just wild and super wide. I couldn't believe how wide some of the fairways were. Um, you didn't quite have many views of the sea, which is, I mean, it's not, it's not a knock of it, but it just, there's not a ton of sea views out there. Um, but, uh, man, such a cool place, such a cool vibe and that whole area. I mean, there's some one, one lane roads getting back there for like 40 miles for a while. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I'd love to see it with some sun and not, you know, just, just getting absolutely drenched coming in and whipping wind and hitting three irons from 140 yards and stuff, just trying to get it out of the air. But, uh, man, it was, it was a cool experience. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned it's not really a. There's not much going on there. There's a little nine hole course which I've yet to get to, but everyone talks about Dunaverty. I know you were bombarded by um, suggestions from from folks going there, um, but you know, it was that you're really scratching uh, there in terms of like what, what you can actually play. There's not a lot going on, so uh, out there on a limb by itself, but certainly worth getting to if you. Um, if you're uh, hunting for some of the the lesser known courses and uh, you've got the time to get out there, uh, but you've basically covered all of Scotland there in your two weeks, so uh, congratulations! Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the experience will live long with you. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back sooner rather than later, um, but you've of course got a couple of days um, in a kind of couple in a week's time where we'll meet up and uh, you'll go to the Scottish Open at Dundonald and you'll play some of the courses in, yeah. in that region in the southwest. Yeah, I mean it was uh, I think 19 rounds over the course of 13 days I played, um, just one hole in one. That's it, unfortunately. But uh, I mm. mean it was kind of the trip of a lifetime. I mean just kind of and, and obviously there's there's a purpose behind all this. It is incredible uh, experience for me personally, but there's work that goes into it as well and documenting all this uh, on the website and kind of part of our future plans for the website include a lot of travel related stuff. So getting to know these places, um, it's hard for me to get, give travel advice or, or in any kind without having to done some of this stuff for an extended period of time and getting to see some of the things that, you know, you've been telling me about and whatnot. So I think this does give me a, a bit of way better platform and base to be able to speak on scotland golf because now i feel like i really know it i mean i played four days two years ago here and that was the extent of my knowledge of scotland golf playing it before this two-week stretch so and i'm not done i'm going back to play uh damn it i'm gonna mess it up again Ayrshire. yeah i'll give you that all right right, close enough um so yeah it was it was it was a uh trip of a lifetime and 
Um, I, I owe a lot of thanks to you for helping. Well, first of all, for reaching out two years ago when, when I came here and then for helping put this trip together and then just being my constant bouncing board for any and all questions I had. So, uh, I think, I think I did you proud. I think I, uh, overall you would say I did a pretty good job. No, you did a, you did a really good job and, um, yeah, I enjoyed following, following along and, um, I, yeah, I only hope that your experience can help others come over here and that's the experience. Goal. That's the yeah, goal. Well, I'm and, not uh, trying hope- to rub it in people's face. That's what people think, but I really do yeah. think, I rely on seeing, like you said earlier, seeing pictures on social media is how I get inspired to do a lot of these things. So um, I try to try to document the experience, and I want I want people to to experience it and feel the same kind of golf. Um, I don't know what the word is. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say golf orgasm, but golf kind of like. Tri- no, you hit, just said it. I did. <laughs> I did. I mean, like, kind of hit the hit the feels with golf the way yeah. so many special places have done for me. And, uh, it's not always the cheap thing to, you know, it's not cheap. It's not, and that's usually the, the thing that prevents people from doing it. Um, I mean, even, even for myself, even if I'm, if tea times are arranged for me, the rest of this stuff is not necessarily cheap, but, uh, it's super fun. And it's just like what you live for when it comes to golf. So even if you're not in the, you know, if you're a younger person listening to this and not in the best financial situation to make it, make this happen, this is something like I would dream about as a kid and plan like in my head as a kid and just like fantasize about actually getting to do these things. And, and now like it's become, it's part of it's become a reality and you get to go actually go experience it. And once you get into your thirties and whatnot, you'll probably have the financial abilities to do that. So keep dreaming, keep, uh, keep, keep researching and keep uh, finding the inspiration to do these kind of things. And like I said, reach out to me or Rue, uh, where can, where can people find you on uh, social media? You're all over the place. Yep. So, uh, Rue McDonald, you'll find me on Twitter. Um, and then the Scottish golf podcast is Scottish golf podcast on iTunes. Uh, Instagram is probably where most of my content comes from. It's kind of curated content from people's trips. So I share the best pictures from the golf courses and, and people's thoughts, uh, at Scottish golf podcast on Instagram and facebook and then youtube i've just slowly got into creating more video content there so and but you know aside from the day job when i've got time off i do go and play play these courses and try and document my time there and uh, showcase some of the lesser known golf courses uh, in the process so and hopefully this has been helpful and yeah please do please do reach out to me uh, on there and and we'll be able to uh, keep you right and well, two hours, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything you've done for in helping my travel and hoping helping people in the future. So I do encourage people to check out Rue's content when it comes to Scotland. Actually, you know what? I can't let you go just yet because we got to get through like a couple questions because people did send a couple questions. Yeah. Um, and uh, while, while you look at the questions and get them ready, it's worth pointing out that you have been here for two two weeks and you were there a week prior two years ago and uh, people always ask me about the weather that's like the first question people ask about and uh, I always say that you get one bad day uh, in every four and I don't know what um, experience you've had I'd be keen to see if that ratio worked out for you I know you had a a tough stretch there you had a bit of a purple patch uh, of rain but I think you know that's certainly a misconception that we have like horrible rain all the time it's it's more the wind that's constant rather than um, any kind of serious like rain that we have totally agree I think Scotland gets an overly bad rep for weather and yeah we did have a bad stretch but um, I've had, I mean, yeah, it's, it's nowhere different than most places I've 
lived in my life and visited and whatnot, like you have bad days of weather. Um, it doesn't, it's not, it's usually not super warm here and it's almost always pants and long sleeves, but, uh, the weather is not, not, I mean, it's, it's definitely not inhibitive of your ability to enjoy the trip and you shouldn't, it's not like, I don't want to go play golf in Scotland. It always rains there. That's not the case. So I, I do think it's overly bad rep and usually an afterthought for the most part, but you get a couple of that, those, days that just it just doesn't stop on you and it, it just kind of wears you down a little bit um i'll save this question i'm gonna do a little bit of solo stuff on top of this too but the question of if you could do ireland or scotland i'm not gonna ask that question with you on here because i don't think we're gonna get the most unbiased answer well um, i am I'm, I'm half irish my mother's from dublin so uh, i have a, a some love for ireland but um yeah i think Scotland uh, would certainly uh, be my vote, but uh, I think the concentration of golf and how easy it is to get from place to place here uh, is probably the the tipping factor if you were to put them up against each other, but um, that's not for me, that's for somebody else. Uh, Will Bardwell asked, Highlands versus St. Andrews contrast. He said, not looking for which is better. Thank you, Will, because that's super hard to rate. Uh, Wondering about the vibes and the locales and the golf clubs. So how would you describe... I, for me, I didn't. I don't think I have enough experience with it. Just kind of popping into these places to know what the full contrast is. But how would you describe the contrast between Highlands versus St Andrews? Yeah, we've probably touched on it, uh, and you got a sense of it. I think when you go up to Broda, um, it's just less commercial up in the Highlands. It's a little bit more relaxed. It's a little bit more authentic. Uh, you've you've got more Scottish voices in bars. You could go into places in St. Andrews and as great as St. Andrews is, you can walk into a bar and not hear a Scottish voice. It's just Americans. Um, So they're very different golf trips. If you were to go away with non-golfers, then the Highlands is probably, uh, you know, a great option. If you're there for pure golf um, and you're wanting to, you know, get the full treatment, then St. Andrews is like the place that everyone gravitates to. But um, the Highlands is a great uh, default. If you've got guys ballsy enough to avoid St Andrews, uh, which is tough, I know, um, go up to the Highlands and play like Dornick through to Aberdeen, and you could have some trip there. Totally. No, I, I think uh, I think the rest of the questions I actually have here are mostly uh, mostly stuff that are asking for uh, you know my opinion on on taking stuff back to the states and whatnot so i think and i think we've covered a lot of them even in the, within this two hours anyways i think we've covered almost everything that related to scotland golf in this time so um cool. super excited to meet up in uh and near dundonald here in a couple of weeks and uh, check out that part of the country as well uh, i'm off to ireland tomorrow northern ireland excuse me and off for the irish open probably won't get us posted until about wednesday anyways but uh rue thank you for two hours for two parts of a podcast hopefully this helps people with their trips and uh Best of luck to you, buddy, and I'll see you soon. Cheers, Sully. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, making it this far. Uh, hopefully, you found this helpful if you're planning a Scotland trip uh, or if you are just need to convince some buddies that you need to do a Scotland trip or any logistical questions, some courses, hopefully, that are now on your radar that may not have been or hopefully this helped you plan your itinerary. Again, Feel free to reach out with any questions you have to myself or to Rue. It both could be very helpful uh, helpful resources in planning it. Uh, but again, just let me emphasize just how incredible the experience is. And there's a reason why you know I raved about pretty much every golf course we played because the experience really is that fantastic. Uh, if you uh, enjoyed this or if you have, are doing a buddy's trip, send this link, the links over to these podcasts to your buddies 
to listen to, to get excited about it, to help plan it. Uh, it helps us out, helps spread the word, and it is deeply appreciated. But I'm uh, going to get to a few Twitter questions. If you've made it this far, three hours, then uh, I'm guessing you're going to last for a few more minutes. But uh, I did ask for some Twitter questions on Scotland. Didn't want to bore Rue with a, a lot of them after talking to him for two hours. But the one I get the most, uh, Timbo Jippet, he asked, if I was to do Ireland or Scotland for a golf trip, which would you choose? Really impossible question to answer because both both countries just are the best golf experiences I've ever had, aside from potentially abandoned dunes, uh, best golf experiences I've had anywhere. Uh, I will say there's positives and negatives to both. Ireland's probably a bit more affordable. It's on the euro. It's not quite as pricey as the pound is against the U.S. dollar. Uh, but the negatives are it doesn't quite have the infrastructure set up that Scotland does. If you want to play a greatest hits of Ireland, you're going to do a bit more driving as things just aren't aren't necessarily that close to airports, especially on the West Coast. Um, it's not it's not highways, but running between these courses. You on a map, it may look like you're going 10 minutes, but it might be an hour just because of the roads you have to take. So. Um, that's a drawback of Ireland, but again, some of those golf courses and playing those with my dad was probably some of the best golf memories I'll ever have. Scotland, just as, as we talked about, has so many great regions where the logistics are maybe a bit easier. Uh, again, the British pound is a bit more expensive, but you also just have these incredible history of the Open Championship Rota and all those courses that uh, that make the Scot just get that the historical value kind of adds a bit, especially if you're doing the old course and stuff. It adds a bit to the, the, the nostalgia of the trip. So those are the positive and, and negatives. Again, there's a reason I don't rate courses because I think it's more about kind of soaking up the experience. Uh, and so it's really hard to rank Scotland one and two. But those are the kind of considerations I'd put into the two. What's the one thing or multiple things about Scottish golf you wish could bring back to the States? That's from Car for the Course. Um, it's a really great question. There's so much I would bring back. A, the walking culture. Um Riding in golf carts, it feels just archaic to me. Like I, I, I don't want to do it. I know a lot of our courses in the States are set up for that more. You know, there's a lot more distances between holes. I love taking a trolley, being a part of the push cart mafia and walking these courses. It gives you just more time to socialize with your four ball. If you're, if you're with a group of four people and uh, really soak it up more than just kind of zooming to your ball on a cart and sitting and waiting uh, I love the open nature of you know some of the best courses in the world being available to call up for a tee time. Like I can't call up Shinnecock Hills and get a tee time. It just doesn't work like that at some of the best courses in the U.S. Uh, their their nature of you know it's amazing again how how affordable their guest their uh, member rates are, and yeah the visitors come over pay a decent premium to play these courses, but it's totally worth it and it's worth it from the members' perspective because. Their dues are low, and they still get to play a world-class golf course for what we pay in monthly dues uh, on, on our courses back in the States, which it just seems criminal now after having seen their model. So I love how their courses, too, are so much about the golf course and not about big fancy clubhouses, swimming pools, tennis courts, all that stuff, and they're golf clubs. They're not country clubs. They're golf clubs, and you're, you're, they're, as, a, as a, obviously a golf nut, uh, that's, that's kind of the, the part I like to soak up the most. Um, Zach, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Wojciech, Wojciech, It seems Polish. I don't know how to say that. On average, what are the what time the first does the first single need to get in line for the old course to have a good shot at playing in the morning? 
it really, really depends. Um, and it, you know, th our, our group lined up around 3 a.m. We did 4.15 a.m. a few years ago. Uh, we were all able to get on. It, it, it's, you know, some people line up at midnight and it de depends on the day. It might be 10 people. Uh, one of the days we did it, 10 people were lined up to camp out overnight and we showed up at 4.15. We were 11th in line. So really totally depends. But again, my philosophy there is you got to get up early anyway. What's an extra hour? So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't cut it close and show up at five because uh, you're going to be exhausted anyways and you're going to be pretty far back in line. So I'd say plan on 3 a.m., 3.30. Uh, again, part of the experience. Uh, go soak it up. Do it. You might have, you might get a tea time in the afternoon. So you can run home and grab a nap, grab a cup of coffee, and then go head out for your tea time in the afternoon. So Leave some time to get a get a chance to do it the, um, to get to give yourself the chance to do it. Leave some time in the schedule and it'll be worth it. Uh, West Quattlebaum ideal club combo modifications from U.S. Golf. For example, drop a wedge, pick up a two iron, shots to practice in preparation for the conditions. Good question here. I wouldn't make any club changes out of my bag, although the 60 degree gets a lot less use over here because you're just willing to reach for the putter from way off the green. Uh, just give it a give it a whack from 40 yards if you have to, but it's not like I you still will need to hit a few flop shots and a few aerial shots. So I wouldn't take anything necessarily out of the bag. I would try to make sure you have a, a an iron that you can trust off the tee to kind of hit under the wind and to get running on the ground. Um, and any, I actually lofted my driver down for this trip to kind of hit more low bullets off the tee to get through the wind and, uh, to kind of get out of crosswinds and to get out of into the wind holes and get running on the, on these fairways. So, uh, shots to practice as well as I would just kind of like, I wouldn't say like a punch six iron or five iron, but just kind of a, a version that you know that you can flight into the wind. It might be 150 yards and you need to hit a five iron, but if you balloon it, it still might go 120 yards. So kind of finding that shot that's going to be able to pierce through the wind and get under the wind uh, that you can rely on because that's one you're going to need over and over again. Um, apart from North Berwick, uh, the best courses in Edinburgh, East Lothian area. That's from Joshua Poisden. I, I'm, I'm not positive here because I didn't get out to Gullen. I know that's a great one. I know Muirfield is kind of Edinburgh, Edinburgh area. I didn't get out to that one. Uh, I, my whole thing is St. Andrews is an hour and 10 minutes from Edinburgh. It's super, it's an easy drive. It's a beautiful drive and there's so many good courses to play there. Even if you're not playing the old course, um, I think we talked about how I love the new course and it's, it's definitely worth 75 pounds. You can show up and they'll get you out. So, and you, at worst come to worst, you're hanging around, uh, hanging around St. Andrews for a day. So Shane Mason, how do you compare Scottish versus Irish links? Not better or worse, but just any differences. You know, I didn't notice that much of a difference in necessarily country by country, just because even within the individual countries, the courses are different. I think, again, I think we talked about that on there. Um, so it's not, it's not, again, the, one of the, one of the differences just being kind of that historical value that come with a lot of the courses in Scotland. Um, we've got to Will Bardwell's question. Um, single putt Al wants to know, he recommended that the best time to go, he's, he recommends August and September. I agree with that. I think a bit later in the year than we were here going in June. Fantastic for sunlight. You get super long days. Um, and you can play till 10, 15 in a lot of places. Uh, I think August is around when the courses are in the best condition in September. 
might be a little bit more out of tourist season and might be able a bit more availability in some places, uh, more affordable rooms, etc. I, I, I can't fully confirm that, but I get that I, I get that vibe. Um, October is a bit uh, more of a struggle just because that's when uh, the, the clocks change and you just don't have quite as much daylight as you do even in September. So uh, I kind of agree with the assessment that August, September are probably the best times to go. Head to Scotland next summer from Mark Hansen. Only playing courses in the St. Andrews area. Can you give me a top five? I'll just, I'll just run off the top five in my head being the old course, Carnoustie, Kings Barnes, um, St. Andrews area. I wouldn't say North Berwick is in St. Andrews area, so I won't throw that one in there. Um, I would say play the new course as well. Um, I'm not sure that's in my top five, but you're going to be right there in that area, and I think it's totally worth playing there. Um, and then fifth on that list in depends on what you call St. Andrews area. I'll probably say Crail cause you're going to want to mix in uh, a different kind of experience. And that golf course is going to give you a way different experience than anything else on that list. So, um, I think that's about it again. Thanks for tuning in. This is three hours worth of, uh, crap on Scotland golf. I think we have it all covered. Hope this was enjoyable. Uh, but send over your questions if you got them. And uh, otherwise, check back soon. Should be some very good podcasts coming in the next couple of weeks. Don't want to spoil anything. But uh, thanks again for tuning in. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than